Good morning and welcome to worship on this 15th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you who are joining us through our OSL podcast via our YouTube channel or through our radio broadcast. However you have found us this morning, we are delighted to have you joining us for worship this morning. We are excited to share with you a service of the word that has been put together by the Northwest Synod of Wisconsin. We are excited to share this service with you and to be able to hear our Bishop, Bishop Lori Scow Anderson preach and share God's word with us this morning. I wanna extend a special word of thanks to all of the Synod staff and to all who helped in creating this worship service for us this morning. I also want to take this opportunity to say thank you for all of the ways in which you have been reaching out and caring for the neighbor for our neighbors in need um, and especially for the ways that you have continued to support the ongoing work of our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support is vital as we here at our Savior's continue to follow in the ways of Jesus and to care for those who are in need here in our Menominee community and beyond. You are invited to send your offering to the church office or to use our online giving option, which you can find on our website at oslme.com. Before we begin worship this morning, I want to share with you just a couple of announcements with you. The first is a reminder that this morning, Denise and I will meet with Sunday School families for a bike ride around Lake Minoman. We'll meet in the church parking lot at about 10.15, and then we're gonna be taking off for that ride about 10.30. It'll take about an hour to get around the lake, and then when we return to the uh, church parking lot, we'll have some snacks for families to take with them. I also want to invite you to begin and to end your day in prayer on Wednesdays. Wednesday morning, we meet um, for morning prayer for matins by Zoom. We start at 845 with a little time for fellowship and then uh, the service begins at nine o'clock. If you wish to join us, just let me know and I will be happy to send you a link to that meeting. We then gather at 6 p.m. in person in the parking lot for night prayer for Compline. You are invited to join us for that service as well. If you're interested in participating, please call the church office to sign up. I also wanna let you know about a special service of Remembrance Atize service um, that has been put together by a group of area leaders, uh, church leaders and musicians. This Atize service will premiere on Thursday, September 17th at 6.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel. I invite you to tune in and watch that service um, for a time of prayer and remembrance, especially for those who have lost loved ones during this time of COVID. I also wanna let you know about an opportunity to honor um, one, uh, someone that you have lost during this time by requesting um, a favorite hymn to be sung during one of our worship services. If you would like to remember one of your loved ones who have died, especially those who have died during these past few months, please contact the church office with that hymn request. And as we are able, we will fit those hymns into our one of our upcoming worship services as our sending hymn. Finally, I remind you this morning 
that if you want to talk with one of our parish nurses or one of our pastors, please reach out to us. We are here for you. You can find all of our contact information on our church website. I now invite you to light a candle as we enter into this time of worship. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Gracious God, we come before you beloved but broken. We have not always treated others as we would want them to treat us. We have not always called out injustice and abuse. We have not always been kind to ourselves. We have not always taken care of the world we share with other living creatures. Remind us of who we are, beloved children bathed in your love. Renew us by your spirit to live as your holy people, bringing healing to the brokenness around us. Amen. At every moment, we are held in existence by the love of God, renewed by the spirit within and among us, and made alive again in Christ. Receive this assurance in Jesus' name. We are forgiven and freed to live for the healing of the world. And all God's people say, Amen.
us to drink the wine of compassion. Give us to eat the bread that is you. Nourish us well and teach us to fashion lives that are holy and hearts that are true. Not in the dark of buildings confining, not in some heaven light years away. Here in this place a new light is shining, now is the kingdom, now is the day. Gather us in and hold us forever, gather us in and make us your own. Gather us in, all peoples together, fire of love in our flesh and our bones. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, and also with you. Let us pray together. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may move every human heart, that the barriers dividing us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatreds cease, and that with our divisions healed, we might live in justice and peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. La lectura de hoy la encontramos en Gálatas, capítulo 3, versículos del 26 al 28, y dice así, Porque todos sois hijos de Dios por la fe en Cristo Jesús. Porque todos los que habéis sido bautizados en Cristo, de Cristo estáis revestidos. Ya no hay judío ni griego. No hay esclavo ni libre, no hay varón ni mujer, porque todos vosotros sois uno en Cristo Jesús. Esta es palabra de Dios. The reading for today is in Galatians, chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. For ye are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ, there can be neither Jew nor Greek. There can be neither bond nor free. There can be no male and female. For you are all one man in Christ Jesus. Hi, I'm Lidice Montoya and I'm the mission developer of Neighbor to Neighbor. And I'm here to talk to you about one of my favorite stories and that's Toy Story. I love this movie because it's about friendship. And we remember how Woody left his friends behind to save us, but he still loved a lot his friends and they loved him too. And they understood that he was far because he was trying to save us, because he was in danger. This is very similar to the story that Jesus told us about the shepherd with his sheep and one of them was lost. So he has to leave behind 99 in order to save this one. And they understood that. This is happen. This happens when we say about, uh, we talk about Black Lives Matter. It doesn't mean that we, uh, brown or white or yellow or red people don't matter. It means that our brothers and sisters or black neighbors are in danger and we need to talk about, uh, to care about them because we love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for teaching us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you for 
helping us to understand that black lives matter. Amen. The Holy Gospel for this Sunday is recorded in the Gospel of Mark, the 14th chapter. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why was this ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. The Gospel of our Lord. Hello, people of God of the Northwest Synod of Wisconsin. I'm Bishop Lori Scow-Anderson. The theme for today's sermon is Building a Bigger Table. I want to say a special thank you to Kathy Bowe and her family for that video you just saw. Building a Bigger Table grows out of our Synod's ongoing focus to do justice. And the Bible verse, Micah 6.8. What is it that the Lord requires of us? What is it that the Lord requires of us but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? I want to take a moment just to thank you. Thank you for your partnership in ministry. I am so grateful for all of you, for all the ways that you are adapting and changing and working together through this pandemic. I'm grateful for the ways that you are helping the next generation come to know and love Jesus. And I am grateful for your ongoing support to the work of our synod, for the work that we do together as a synod. Throughout this pandemic, we've been working to find new ways to share the good news of Jesus. We're supporting our Bible camps and Lutheran campus ministries as they learn to adapt to new ways of reaching the next generation. We're supporting seminaries and seminary students as the students discern a call to pastoral ministry. And we're supporting global missionaries in the World Hunger Appeal as we help people here and around the world experience God's love through food ministries. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support of the work that we do together as the Northwest Synod of Wisconsin. The theme for today's sermon is building a bigger table. Building a bigger table. It grows out of our synod's ongoing focus to do justice. Micah 6.8 says, What is it that the Lord requires of you? What is it that the Lord requires of you? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. 2020 has been, without a doubt, an unusual year in which we have been learning to live with a pandemic, learning how to be people of faith without going to worship, for the most part, in a church building, learning how to do online worship and online Bible studies. 
Some of you have lost jobs. Others have experienced financial stress. And we are all aware of the protests against racial violence and racial injustice that have occurred in our cities this summer. And many of us are learning how to work at home. And some of us are concerned about what will happen to our children in school this fall. How will we help our children at home? What about social distancing? And how do we care for our elderly loved ones without being able to see them in person like we once were? And then layered over all of this is an aggressively divisive political climate leading up to a presidential election in November. Today, we as Christian people wrestle with what it means to be people of faith. How do we follow Jesus? How do we do justice in our world today? Some of us have gone weeks without gathering around the altar in our church for Holy Communion. How will we be intentional about including those who have been excluded from this table for generations? How will we build a bigger table? And what will our church look like on the other side of this pandemic? The sermon today, I'll focus on the first three verses of Mark 14. It's an unusual cast of characters in the story. There are the religious Jewish leaders, the religious elite, if you will. There is Simon, the leper. There's the unnamed woman. There's the disciples. And then there's Jesus. And the story, the setting for the story is a table, a meal, and a broken jar of perfume. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus, but they did not want to start a riot. Jesus was having supper at Simon the leper's house. He was sitting at a table when an unnamed woman broke open a jar of expensive perfume and poured it on his head. Now remember all of this as I tell you my story. I was ordained in 1986, and my first call was to American Lutheran Church in Wyndham, Minnesota. It's a little town in the southwest corner of the state of Minnesota, right on the Iowa border. The church was located across the street from a large group home for young adults with cognitive and physical disabilities. It's called the Home for Creative Living. Several of the residents in this group home would come to worship on Sunday morning at American Lutheran. Two of the residents were in motorized wheelchairs, and they would usually sit towards the back of the church, and sometimes I could hear them. They sometimes spoke out loud during the worship and occasionally made other sounds. Almost as soon as I started my new call, I heard complaints from church members about the residents of the group home. They said they were disrupting our worship. The sounds never bothered me. What bothered me was the group of, that the group home residents never came up to the altar for Holy Communion. I asked about it and was told, well, it's because the residents aren't confirmed or they haven't taken their first communion classes. It was at that moment that a little light bulb went off. This is something I can do. It's a little known fact that before going to seminary, I was a special education teacher. So I decided right then and there to teach a special education class, a special confirmation class for the folks from the Home for Creative Living. The church council was wary to say the least. They were concerned about the residents disrupting worship and there were side conversations about whether the group home residents were able to comprehend enough or know enough about the faith to receive communion. Nonetheless, I was determined to see that all of God's children were welcomed at the altar for communion. So I invited the young adults to a series of Saturday morning confirmation classes that I designed for them. And I have two really, fav really special memories from that class. 
One was the lesson on Holy Communion. The students had limited verbal skills, and so this was long before iPads. So I created a picture board, a language board, with photos of a loaf of bread, a glass of wine, a picture of Jesus, a heart, the cross, a photo of the student, a picture of a Bible, and John 3.16. I explained the pictures and what Holy Communion meant. And slowly, with much pointing and repeating, we learned that Holy Communion is how God loves us that bread is Jesus' body, that the wine is Jesus' blood. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. We practiced holding out our hands. We tasted the wine, we tasted the bread, and we repeated this lesson for several weeks. One Saturday, I noticed a member of the church council standing in the doorway watching. It was time to end the class, and so for his benefit, I reviewed what we had learned that day. I asked one of the students, I asked Rodney, what he knew about Holy Communion. So he pointed to the picture of the bread and the wine. And then Rodney pointed to the picture of Jesus and the picture of the heart, and then to himself. Jesus loves Rodney. And then without me prompting, and with some effort, Rodney said his own name. He said, Rodney. And then he pointed to the heart, and then the picture of Jesus. Rodney loves Jesus. Dear friends in Christ, it is enough to know that you are loved. Rodney is a beloved child of God. The wary church council members, they all are beloved children of God too. The second part of the story that is special to me was Confirmation Day itself. It is always an important day. Rodney, our other friends from the group home, and 20 excited ninth graders all got their white robes and red carnations. It was a big deal especially for Rodney, because we had to build a ramp for Rodney, a ramp out of plywood and two-by-fours, so that he and his motorized wheelchair could get up the three steps. So he would be able to get up to the table, to the altar, for the affirmation of baptism and for communion. For the first time, for the first time, Rodney was welcome to the table. Rodney was a part of the procession that day, carrying the Bible in one hand and driving his motorized wheelchair with the other, leading the class to the front of the church while we all sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This is one of my favorite photos for ministry. For years, there wasn't a place at the table for Rodney or others like him. It took time and convincing of the wary that there was a place at the table for everyone, no exceptions. Sometimes we have to do a little extra work, like build a ramp, teach an extra class, convince a few judgmental people. But it's always the right thing to do. It's the just thing. There is room at God's table for all of God's children. Today, 30 years after my first confirmation class with the cognitively and developmentally disabled young adults from the Home for Creative Living, it is hard for us to remember Difficult to believe that there was ever a time when they were not really welcomed in our churches or even invited to the communion table. While no one forbid them from coming to worship, they weren't fully welcomed. More daunting than the steps to the altar was the invisible wall that had been built by the members of the church that made it impossible for them to be full participants in the worship service. Over the years since this story, our churches and our culture at large has become more welcoming and better at making a place at the table for persons with physical and cognitive disabilities. We built a ramp. We built a bigger table. Here's the main point of today's service. The work is not done. 
We still need to be about building more ramps so more people are welcome. We still need to be about expanding the table, building a bigger table. So take a moment and talk to the person next to you. How has your congregation welcomed persons with disabilities? You can pause this recording for a moment if you want to talk about that. And then ask, who are the people missing from your church today? Who are the people not there? Are there steps, obstacles, invisible walls, unwritten rules that prevent people of different abilities, races, sexual orientations, economic backgrounds from fully participating in your congregation? Here's the big question I want you to think about now. Why aren't more people of color part of our churches? Did you know that the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is one of the whitest denominations in our country? We have the fewest number of people of color in our church of any of the mainline Protestant denominations. Are there too many steps to the altar? Are there weary people? Are there unspoken rules and invisible walls with invisible signs that say, welcome people who are just like us? In some places, not here, but in other synods, there are. There, in some places, but not here, I'm sure, not in, this, not in your church, but in other churches and in other synods, there are places where, where the church has an invisible sign next to the building that might say something like this, welcome white middle class, middle-aged straight people just like us. This is what Jesus was talking about in our gospel reading from Mark chapter 14. Jesus is sitting at, at the table in Simon the leper's house when a woman broke open an alabaster jar and anointed Jesus' head with costly perfume. This is a crazy story. What is Jesus thinking about? The religious elite are watching him. This is all culturally uncool in Bible times. Jesus had accepted an invitation to sit at the table in the house of a, of a leper. Perhaps he was one of the lepers that Jesus had healed, but we don't know. But it's still, there's a great stigma that would have been about being labeled a leper. Good Jews don't hang out with people who have had leprosy. And there are very, very strict rules about women. Jewish men don't eat at the same table with women and certainly wouldn't allow an unnamed, unrelated woman to touch his head. Good Jews just don't do that. What was Jesus thinking? Look closely at the text. The woman broke it open. The Greek word is soon tribal, which means to crush, to shatter, to break apart. Not only did she shatter the alabaster jar, but she also got noticed by the others in the room for her outrageous, lavish generosity of pouring expensive perfume on Jesus' head. The unnamed woman then witnessed Jesus crushing the stereotypes breaking down the walls between men and women, shattering the idea that there is such a thing as clean and unclean people. We're all beloved children of God, all of us. So Jesus shattered the rules so that there would be a place at the table for all of them. And then just a few days later, Jesus' body was broken open for us. Jesus' blood poured out for us. The unnamed woman was anointing Jesus for his burial. We remember her even though we can't say her name. 2,000 years ago, Jesus broke it open. He announced the reign of God that broke down stereotypes, broke down rules that were created to separate, opened up a whole new way of seeing the world. 
He continues that work today through us, breaking down the walls in our own hearts, teaching us how to build ramps and bigger table. 2,000 years ago, Jesus broke it open. His life, his death, his resurrection was all proclaiming a new way, the reign of God, the reign of love, a reign without barriers or walls, love without limits, love without exception. St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Dear friends, dear friends, we're living through COVID-19. And because of that, our churches have been going online. An online church is an opportunity to make a bigger table, to put in the leaves, to gather up the extra chairs, to find all the plates and silverware so that all are welcomed at God's table. Jew and Greek, Jew and Romans, male and female, young and old, abled, disabled, children and elders, rich and poor, black, white and brown. And did I mention male and female? For over 400 years of Lutheran history, Women were not allowed at the table as pastors. It was only 50 years ago that the first woman was allowed to preside at communion. 50 years ago, on November 20th, 1970, Elizabeth Platt was ordained in the Lutheran Church. And now, today, there's a place at the table for women pastors. We are grateful for those who built the ramp and made it possible. It was 40 years ago this year that the first woman of color, an African-American and Latina woman, were ordained as Lutheran pastors. And it was 10 years ago that openly gay LGBTQIA individuals were ordained as Lutheran pastors. On one hand today, we celebrate that all are welcomed at the table, no exceptions. And we gather to celebrate all who have worked so hard for justice, to teach and challenge and convince and change minds and change policies, change hearts, build ramps, so that all of God's children have a place at the table. On the other hand, we acknowledge we have a long ways to go to become a fully inclusive church. As Lutherans, we have so much to offer. We have this amazing theology of grace and forgiveness that the world needs to hear. We have the story of Jesus, the good news about his life and death and resurrection that so many have never heard. We have hope and a faith community that means so much to us. Are we willing to share it with others? We have the sacraments. Baptism, the water of grace, and the table of love that are open to all. How can your church let the world know they have a place at the table? How will we address our biases, our prejudices, our sin of racism and sexism, homophobia that intentionally or unintentionally put up invisible or no trespassing signs? What will we do to accept and deal with our white privilege, white fragility, white superiority? What will we do to take down the invisible signs on our hearts and our churches that limit our love for our neighbors? How will we change so all will know they have a place at the table? When we are able to gather together again safely in person, we will be challenged to acknowledge that unintentionally or intentionally, there have been many who have been excluded from a place at God's table in our church and in our ministries. We will confess the sins of the things we've done and the things we've left undone. We will recommit our work to ourselves to the work of justice in the synod in every congregation. Do we want to become a more inclusive church? 
Talk to the person next to you for a moment. If you answer yes, then talk about why you want to become a more inclusive church and what it would look like and what it would take to get there. And if you answer no, then talk about why you don't want to be a more inclusive church. You can pause the video right now if you'd like. If we really want to have an inclusive church, if we really want to be a church that loves without limits, we've got to be the one that builds the ramp, that builds the bigger table. At the end of this worship service, there will be a slide with four things you can do to build a bigger table and a more inclusive church. There were three steps up to the altar that kept Rodney from the table. Those who were physically able built a ramp of plywood and two by fours so that we could all be on the same level. If we really want an inclusive church, one that loves without limits, we will be the ones that take special classes to learn about white privilege and white supremacy and racism. If we want to become a racially diverse church, we are the ones that will need to take the first steps to build relationships and friendships with persons of races different than our own. If we want to be a reconciling in Christ church, we are the ones who will need to take the first steps to build friends and connections with persons of the LGBTQIA community. In response to God's great love for us in Christ Jesus, we live out the greatest commandment to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are God's hands. We are God's feet. When we are the ones that build the ramp, the bigger table, so all are welcome. No exceptions. Thanks be to God. Amen.
thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail you've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer, all who've loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, to anyone who's been let down, all the lost you have been found, all who've been Let us proclaim our faith together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. We pray for congregations and church leaders that they can rely on patience and understanding when making decisions for the next year of ministry, and that the Spirit move them to explore new and creative ways to share your good news with others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For your earth, generous Creator, that we might be better stewards of all that you have created to ensure that plants, soil, water, creatures, and air are sustained, treasured, and protected. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Your people cry out, merciful God, for justice, for equity, and for peace. Be with all those who experience injustice through harmful systems and policies, through hurtful words or abuse, and those who experience the devastating effects of war and violence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of healing, we pray for all people who are hungry, sick, dying, grieving, facing addiction, those whose faith feels absent, those who face oppression, 
and anyone who is struggling in any way, that you might transform their hearts and minds to know they are loved unconditionally. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all these things and anything else that you know we need, we give you thanks and praise, God of grace. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all, and also with you. Share a sign or a word of peace with someone today. Let us pray together. God, our Creator, you open wide your hands and satisfy the needs of every living creature. We thank and bless you for your tender nurture and care. Through the gifts we give to our congregations and others who serve their neighbors, help us to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and bring justice to the oppressed in our world. Help us to boldly go where you send us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The God of all grace bless you now and forever. Amen. For everyone poured a place at the table. For everyone poured clean water and bread. A shelter, a space, a safe place for growing. Everyone born, star overhead, and God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and at the table, devising the roles, deciding to share, with wisdom and grace, dividing the power, a woman and man, a system that's fair, and God will delight, when we are creators of justice and joy, yes, God will delight. We are creators of justice, justice and joy. For young and for old, a place at the table, a voice to be heard, a part in the song. The hands of a child in hands that are wrinkled For young and for old, the right to belong And God will delight When we are creators of justice and joy Yes, God will delight When we are creators of justice
Build a bigger table. Christ is with you. Amen.